Are you sitting in a space where you are struggling with anxiety? Do you feel like a prisoner to the cycles of depression? Do you feel stuck in your own life and feel frustrated and lost, but yet you know there is so much more on the other side of this mental breakdown? I want to hold your hand through this therapeutic life healing journey. I will help you navigate emotional healing, spiritual growth, and taking massive action so you can align your mind, body, and spirit to completely transforming your life. You are worthy of the life of your dreams, of stepping into your power and experiencing your breakdown as your breakthrough. Hey, I'm Adi. I'm your therapist, your coach, your mentor. Join me as we heal your life together. I'm so excited for y'all to meet my next guest. Her name is Alyssa Leah Mankow. She is a licensed clinical social worker located in Los Angeles, California. Alyssa Leah graduated with her bachelor's degree from California Polytech State University, Pomona, and her graduate degree from the University of Southern California. Alyssa Leah spent most of a decade as a clinician and supervisor within the community mental health setting. She is currently the owner of her private practice where she specializes in treating those experiencing depression, anxiety, trauma, and helps her clients connect with their inner child. Alyssa Leah has contributed to various magazine articles discussing narcissism, inner child work, and self-care. I'm so excited to have her on the show and get to interview and talk about narcissism in relationships. Get ready for a juicy episode, grab a pen, paper, and sit back and let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Alyssa. It's so exciting to have you on. I've been admiring your work for so long, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk about a topic that I know many of us are interested in around narcissism. But before we dive in, I'd love for folks to know a little bit more about yourself and just your career. Can you share a little bit about you? Of course. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And for everybody tuning in, I am a licensed clinical social worker with a private practice based in Sherman Oaks, California, which is very much within LA County. Uh, Prior to starting my private practice, I actually worked in community mental health for almost a decade. That's amazing. So like fascinated by the work that you're doing now too, and just putting information out for folks that can be a little bit more accessible, reachable for those who aren't able to seek therapy individually and can get some information but that's great that they can also find you and for those that are living in Los Angeles can seek individual therapy with you too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and right now, you know, um, what I like to do is I like to offer free consultations to see if we're a good fit. But, you know, because I'm not accepting any new clients right now, what I'd also like to do is I still offer those consultations and I like to, it's the social worker in me, I like to help connect people with other therapists that they can work with too. I love that. So relational. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I know that your work, you really focus on inner child work, narcissism, and today we're going to focus on narcissism. How do you define that for folks who are, have maybe heard about it, but don't know what it is? How, how would you define that to someone who has no clue what narcissism is? 
That's a very good question. So narcissism really is kind of like a term that gets thrown around, especially in pop culture. So I'm going to kind of define narcissism in two different ways. There is a healthy sense of narcissism that I think all people have. This is the ability to take pride in your accomplishments, to have joy for the things that you've done. I think it takes a certain level of narcissism to be able to do certain things like start a business or public speaking. Like it takes a certain belief in yourself right? So there's like a healthy level of narcissism. And then there's pathological narcissism, which I'm sure that we're going to get into. But pathological narcissism is contribute to pathological narcissism are grandiosity, low empathy, exploitation of others, likening yourself to kind of like extravagant things. There's like kind of like a level of uh, deceit that goes into a person with pathological narcissism. And it's to the point where it interferes with their relationships all around, like their friendships, the romantic relationships and things like that. I love that you define the two, that there's a pathological and, and then there's a healthy level where we are kind of all proud yeah. of our accomplishments. And I think that's the kind of, it can be easily misinterpreted. So I appreciate mm-hmm. you really kind of defining out the two. Yeah. And we're mm-hmm. focusing on the pathological narcissism. Yeah. So anyone who's like, oh, but I, you know, get proud about my accomplishments. Like, yes, you should. You should take mm-hmm. up the yeah. Celebrate yourself. That's not what we're talking about today. So how would someone know that they're interacting in a relationship with someone who has the pathological narcissism? What does that look like? So what are some red flags that you're dating a narcissist? So a person who is a narcissist, um, they have a very inflated sense of self. They like to kind of like paint themselves in a way where they feel like they're so much more important than the people around them. And they like to kind of like um, be in proximity to other people that they deem important. Kind of it's it's very much appearance based. So that's one thing. Another thing that that categorizes like a narcissistic relationship is when you first start to date a person who's a narcissist, what they tend to do is they tend to do something called love bombing, which is where they like rush you with a lot of compliments, a lot of gifts, if they can afford gifts, it depends. Admiration, they kind of let make you believe like, oh, you're the one, you're my soulmate. I've never felt this way before. It's it's a lot of like moving very fast, very quickly. And a lot of it is, it's, an, it's a very intentional manipulation to kind of get you hooked in. And then once you're hooked in, and it, it doesn't, often if, if the narcissist is very savvy, and they usually are, it doesn't take very long to get hooked in, regardless of your self-esteem. It's just because it feels very just like, like you're on cloud nine. And once you're hooked in, that's kind of where they discard you. And then it kind of creates like this, like back and forth of like a psychological abuse. So you see a lot of love bombing. You see a lot, very much like a lack of empathy for you an exploitation of your feelings, a disregard for your feelings. What categorizes narcissism is like this inflated sense of self and low empathy. Mm. Right. So, you know, oftentimes people will date somebody and they're like, oh my gosh, they're a narcissist, they're a narcissist, they're a narcissist. And that's like a very strong word to throw around. But you'll see that if you're dating somebody and they hurt your feelings, you'll see that they have empathy. Mm-hmm. And that empathy is often then drives like some sort of changed behavior. When you're dating a narcissist, the behavior happens over and over and over again. And they can fake empathy too, which makes it very confusing. And what would that look like? Faking empathy and, and then the opposite of that, like what would a... Yeah, what would that look like if in a practical kind of day-to-day if someone is dating or even family members? Yeah. Does yeah. do you see that come up too? And there are narcissistic bosses too, right? Like I've <sighs> narcissistic. Yeah, it it definitely happens in the professional level too. And like so let's pull a context, for example, let's say dating. 
let's say you find out that your narcissistic partner was, was cheating on you. And that's actually very common in narcissistic relationships. It, it would look like I'm really so, like the, the apologies, like I'm really sorry, followed with maybe like gifts or extravagant gestures of like admiration. And they, they might even, you know, be able to so, like cry, but, but it's really meaningless. The function behind it isn't because I'm genuinely sorry. The function behind it is I can't lose you. I can't lose you as my supply. It's a, it's a very like, it's coming from a very like selfish place. And why are they seeking that from somebody? What is that? What, it, what need is it meeting for them? Is it the, that inflated self? Yeah, it's, it, it really is an inflated self. Um, it's to stroke the ego. It's to kind of another term um, in narcissistic work is called supply. So the people in proximity to the narcissistic person, that, those are all considered their supply. That's, that's where they kind of get that like inflated sense of self. That's what they kind of use to like feel good about themselves. In family relationships, let's say like a narcissistic mother or a narcissistic sibling, when they hurt you or when you share something like that bothered you, if they're not gaslighting you, they, they can be able to say like, oh, I'm sorry. They can say the words, I'm sorry, or I'm sorry that hurt you. But very little will you ever see, uh, feel a genuine apology or see changed behaviors. You, you will never see any of those things. I love that you also, Alyssa, Leah, you just mentioned the gaslighting. Like, can we weave in and share a little bit what gaslighting is for folks who may have not? I feel like it's getting more and more like airplay and people are hearing it. But what does gaslighting mean in the relationship when that comes up too? So the term gaslighting actually means it's a psychological manipulation and tactic to get a victim to doubt their own reality. So gaslighting can look like deflecting, denying, minimizing. It'll make a person kind of feel like what, they're, what they saw or believe didn't really happen. So let's say you're in a relationship with a person who is a narcissist, right? And you're, you're accusing them of doing something. They're accusing them of doing something. So gaslighting might look like they're turning around and they're accusing you of doing it, right? Or they're turning, or they turn around and and they blame you for creating arguments in the relationship, and things like that. Tables get turned. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Tables, or they so straight, tunnel. they straight just deny your reality and they say that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? You're crazy. You're dramatic. Things like that. Yeah, I had I you know in my time too working with folks there you know when I saw it come up it really makes the other partner feel like, do I have to walk around with a tape recorder because yeah. I have to show you like yeah. what's going on? It gets to that level when it becomes yeah. really un- unhealthy and toxic. Mm-hmm. I actually made a post like several, several months ago. I can't remember what the title was. It might've been something like five signs that you're being gaslighted. And one of the signs is you feel an urge to record all your conversations. Yeah. Because those are so easily turned around so quickly. Yeah. It, it, and it's very crazy making. Yeah, makes you self-doubt. So what would be some ways someone would set boundaries with a narcissist? How do you even begin to set boundaries and, and do that? And, and do you recommend someone cutting that person off completely? Do you start with boundaries first? Like what would be like the next thing? So the red flags come up and you're noticing it. What do you encourage folks to do next? I think 
that it really depends on the conversation and the context of the relationship. I know for a lot of people going no contact really does help and really is healing, but for other people that might not be possible. When it comes to setting boundaries with a narcissist, you have to be really firm, like almost practicing like the broken record technique right? Just saying what your needs are over and over again. But when you're dealing with a narcissist, there has to be a certain level of acceptance. I'm not saying like resigning or complacency, but realizing like this is what this, this is who this person is. And it's never going to change regardless of how much love or empathy that I have. Let's say it's like a narcissistic mother or father-in-law or parent-in-law or whatever, right? Boundaries could look like I'm going to limit the amount of time we spend at their house. We're just going to be there for an hour or they can only come over for an hour, or I'm not going to answer calls whenever they whenever they want or allow them to come over unexpectedly. It's, it's having like very clear rules. And then you also have to honor those boundaries. And what would that look like in saying that to them? Like kind of a, a script, like a general script of setting boundaries with so let's say that it's, let's say it's a parent, because I know that a lot of people go through that too, right? And um, let's say that parent does a lot of like those narcissistic tactics, like they kind of gaslight you or they pin you against your other siblings or they pin you against other family members. It's, it, it's looking like this. I'm not going to engage in any gossip or drama about other family members. So if, if you're going to call me, it, it, it has to be about other things. Or if you start to talk about these things, I'm going to hang up the phone. And then you honor those boundaries by doing those exact things. You hang up the phone. And have you noticed in your work with understanding narcissism, does that end up eventually playing out in that person's favor Mm -hmm. or does it actually change the dynamic in the relationship? With true pathological narcissism, the dynamic almost never changes because narcissism is a personality disorder. So to then say that like, oh, with my boundaries, like things are going to get better their personality is going to stay the same. Their personality is going to stay the same. The purpose of the boundary is to really kind of like protect your sanity. Oftentimes boundaries with narcissistic people include limiting, like limiting contact. Yeah. So it really becomes about preserving your own well-being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how common is, is this in relationships? So in general, narcissistic personality disorder as a trait, it's not that common, but in my practice and just with like people that I've worked with clinically, it's also not uncommon, right? I've worked with a lot of men and women who have had partners that have had narcissistic personality disorder. And with your level of expertise, just wondering how you have seen it really just shift over the years, just stayed the same? Has it helped people as they get the education and the understanding of what's going on? Does it, does it really begin to shift their well-being and their quality of life when they get the, the support and the understanding from you over time in therapy? 100% because um, if, if they're not aware of this information, then what, what tends to happen is their empathy takes over. Right, and they and then they start to think like, oh, maybe it, this is happening because this person had a difficult childhood, or maybe we're just not understanding each other well, or maybe it's me. Because oftentimes, what a narcissistic person will do is, with all of the gaslighting and psychological manipulation, whoever it is that they're kind of being predatory upon, whether it's like a partner or a sibling, or if they're if it's a narcissistic boss and it's an employee, 
a lot of these tactics, they're meant to bring down a person's self-esteem. So with therapy and with psychoeducation, all this information, a per- when a person starts to, re- starts to realize, oh, it's not me, I'm not the problem. And my reality has been intact this whole time. Once they kind of get that information, they start to feel empowered and then they can then develop strategies to kind of learn how to move and navigate in those situations. If it's romantic relationships, it, there really is two options. You either leave or you have to accept that this is what it is forever. I love what you also brought up too with the employee, maybe a boss. So if someone is struggling with work, how would you even set a boundary with a narcissistic boss or supervisor or manager? Yeah, so it depends on like the employment and the context of the environment, but it would probably be to limit kind of your exposure to them. Like if you don't need to go to them for direct support or supervision, is there somebody else in the company that you can go to? It's also being able to recognize certain games that a narcissistic person will play. Like people who are narcissistic love to gossip about other people or talk negatively about other people and kind of bring you in that. It's called triangulation and it's very, very messy. So it's also recognizing that when that's happening because people who are narcissistic also like to play favorites. And if you're kind of in that favorite, it feels really good. So it's recognizing when those things are happening and to not get involved, (laughs) to just not get involved at all. That makes a lot of sense. And what about in the body? If someone is interacting with someone who's a narcissist, are there any common signals in someone that they can begin recognizing in their body? It's very similar symptoms to anxiety. It's headaches, like racing heart, sweaty palms, feeling really nervous. Walking on eggshells is really, really big when you're dating somebody who's narcissistic because you really don't know what you're going to get in terms of like, are they going to be good to you that day? Or are they going to be like completely against you? It's, it's, it's very unpredictable sometimes. So it's a lot of the same symptoms that you see in people who are anxious because it is very anxiety provoking to be dealing with somebody who is narcissistic. If you're living with a person who's narcissistic, you might also experience like a lot of like physical tension, like muscle aches and things like that, and even stomach issues, because there's so much stress that goes involved that goes into interacting with somebody with those personality traits. So it sounds like step one is just really recognizing in your body if, if you're starting to feel a certain way around somebody, then really beginning to understand the dynamic going into therapy and really working through how to set the boundaries, how to even, you know, kind of interact with the red flags. Does couples therapy tend to work for them? In your experience, does that tend to help or does it, is it not helpful? With true pathological narcissism, I have not known therapy to be very helpful because with personality disorders, they are egocentric, which means that a lot of the symptoms and behaviors that you see are very much aligned with their values and how they view themselves, right? Egodystonic would be the symptoms and behaviors that a person's experiencing is not aligned with who they are and who they want to be. They don't like it, so they want to change it. With personality disorders, it's not that way at all. It is very much aligned with how they view themselves in the world. So there's, for them, there's really no effort in changing anything. Oftentimes, two people who are narcissistic can be very charming and manipulative. So if the therapist is doing this type of couples therapy, and oftentimes it, it can be hard to detect. It can be very, very hard to detect. And I know for a lot of people who are in narcissistic relationships, they think, we're going to go to couples therapy. And I think part of that is, is the hope there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope. Um, and and it's sometimes it's hard to know if your partner 
is narcissistic because of so much of the gaslighting that's gone on and so much of the self-doubt. Because what I do hear from partners who have been in those narcissistic relationships is a lot of like doubt, like, well, maybe it's me or I do things too, or, you know, a lot of that rationalization. Yeah, I've seen that a lot too. And uh, I've seen a lot with parents, so people, you know, children who have been raised by a narcissistic parent as they get older as adults and you know, carry the emotional weight that it came with and then mm-hmm. kind of enter into relationships then with kind of sometimes playing out the same pattern because mm-hmm. they've really repeated what they've known and not knowing any different. And so that, that becomes what we call doing the work. It's like we yeah. just understand your body, understand your yeah. thoughts and like really beginning to trust and tap back into yourself that if something feels not right, like mm-hmm. kind of beginning to notice and, and pay attention to that and get support. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like, I like what the question you said earlier is there's anything people can pay attention to in their body. And when you're dealing with somebody who's narcissistic, your body will communicate to you. This doesn't feel good. Right. Oftentimes children who grow up with parents um, with narcissistic personality disorder, those children end up becoming very depressed, very anxious. They can't concentrate in school right? They're struggling with making friends, things like that. And it's the same thing with if your partner's with somebody who's a narcissist, you start to feel very anxious, you start to feel very sad, you start to doubt yourself. And you see those same symptoms. If you're at a job with a boss who happens to be, who is a narcissist, you start to feel like your work is not good enough. You start to question yourself. Yeah, your body will always communicate with you when something is not right with a relationship. Alyssa Leah, is there any, before we wrap up, I would love to know if there's any last thoughts that you have on your heart before we end for listeners and then also where people can find you and find your work. Yes. So last thoughts. Um, I do want to say this. Oftentimes when people hear information about narcissism, they tend to think to themselves, oh my gosh, is that me? Right. And I really want people to know that if that thought crossed your mind, if that thought ever crosses your mind, oh my gosh, is that me? The chances are it is not you. Because the fact that you're even questioning it to begin with is a positive sign that it is not you. And I think that it's also very important if somebody's struggling with a narcissistic relationship, they, they probably get some sort of professional help or that they start to communicate with their friends what's happening because there is so much support in numbers because those relationships are really hard to kind of digest or understand. So just being able to be open and honest with um, a professional or loved ones can be really helpful. And in terms of finding me, people can find me on Instagram at Alyssa Marie Wellness, and it's the same name on Facebook also. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing your expertise and your experience with us. I love what you do. I admire so much of your work, and I know that we both went to USC and yes. just <laughs> have to give a little shout out and fight uh, on for that. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.